This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. I haven't memorized the various trillion dollar plans the Biden administration is putting out because the names don't fit with what they are so I haven't they haven't stuck in my head like I'd be able to remember the I don't know the give kids bicycles plans if all the money was going to give kids bicycles but we're 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 calling things you know the <laughs> make sure everyone has comfortable shoes plan and then we're using it to build dams I mean it's just <laughs> it's everything's so confusing buy a thousand head of yak yeah, it has nothing to do with it, which is why I refuse to use the phony names because they're they're propaganda to me. They're they're evil PR. But to discuss that and other topics, please welcome Lon He Chen, David and Diane Steffi, fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, the director of domestic policy studies at Stanford University. Lon He, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing fine. Great to be with you guys again. Thank you. Thank you kindly. So we have been talking about this enormous package that is allegedly something to do with infrastructure, but indeed reorders uh, American society and economics and the rest of it. And we've been reading from the Wall Street Journal. I don't know how many op-eds they had this week about how, hey, America, hello. I don't know if you're paying any attention. We're about to change the country drastically, like really change the way we operate forever. Hello. So what's your thoughts, uh, what are your thoughts on how much of this is likely to pass, how difficult it's going to be to get it through? Where do you think we might end up? Well, I first of all, I think Democrats will have the opportunity um, to pass essentially a, a good chunk of what they want to because they're going to use this process called budget reconciliation, which basically allows them to uh, to pass things that are related to spending or to the collection of revenue with a simple majority vote, which they have. And, and recall, they've already used this once to pass that massive spending package, which to you guys' point was kind of masquerading as a COVID-19 relief bill. You know, I, I think the challenge with all of these things is that there is the germ of some kind of bipartisan consensus in all of these bills, right? You, you talk about the COVID-19 relief as an example, what they could have done, what Biden could have done is said, look, we're going to do a much smaller package somewhere around $160 billion instead of $2 trillion. We're going we're gonna to focus it on getting you know, vaccines out there, making sure schools have what they need to make changes so that they're ready for the fall, yada, yada, you know, all the things 
that people could have agreed on. In the same way with infrastructure, instead of going for $2 trillion, they could have said, let's do a, you know, even $600 billion package, which is a ton of money already, that's focused on things like roads and bridges and airports and physical infrastructure, even water infrastructure, which some say, I don't know if it falls in there. Look, I think a lot of Republicans would have been totally fine saying, yes, let's improve the way that we get water to uh, to more of the American people. They would have been willing to spend $600 billion to do it. So in each of these cases, there was the germ of something. But instead of trying to work together, what you see is just an effort to go big every single time. Uh, and, and at some point, you know, people grow immune to the fact that we are spending, you know, $6 trillion over the course of like eight months. And, 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 and people are just immune to it. They just don't, it doesn't register with them anymore. But that is an awful lot of money. What I was driving at was I've heard that there are a handful of moderate Democrats who are really uneasy with this uh, wild, I mean, like Coke binge spending. Well, they might be. They might be uneasy with it. And I, I take, you know, Joe Manchin of West Virginia is a good example. He's a, he's a very moderate Democrat, probably in a different life, could have been a Republican. And, and he said, look, I'm not comfortable spending all this money. I'm not necessarily comfortable doing this. But, you know, Joe Manchin's a good example of somebody who at the end of the day is a pragmatist. And if he ends up with some significant boondoggle for the state of West Virginia, which he represents, he's going to be perfectly fine voting for $2 trillion in spending. The same goes for Senator Sinema from Arizona, who's another one that people say, oh, well, she's a moderate. Yeah, you know, look, they're moderates until it comes down to the question of what are you going to give me in return for my vote? And believe me, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden, they're going to get very creative. They're going to make sure Arizona and West Virginia come out of this looking very, very nice. And it's going to give Cinema and Manchin permission to vote for these big packages. That is the reality. They can cloak their language in, 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 in the sort of notion of, you know, hey, we really need bipartisanship. And what we actually need is fiscal responsibility. That's sure. All, you know, horse manure. At the end of the day, what they really care about is what am I going to get for my state? And by well, the way, if I'm cursed in cinema, you know what I'm asking for? I'm asking for Lake Michigan. I'm going to say Illinois and Wisconsin aren't doing much with it. Arizona needs water. I want Lake Michigan. I'll settle for Lake Erie, but I want Michigan. Lonnie, yeah, you're, on, you're, on, you're on a bunch of these shows with other pundits. Some of the punditry, punditry that's coming from uh, the, 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 the conservative pundits is driving me freaking nuts because I'm so tired of hearing about, well, I'll tell you what, a lot of voters are going to like this, and uh, it, it really ups the chances for the Republicans to take back the House because they're stepping on some And that sort of view of back and forth every two years, hey, we won the House back, who cares if Joe Biden is able to transform the nation in one two-year period in a way that you know none of these entitlements will go away? If you could give me the reverse, if if the Republicans could have a two-year win where, okay, we shrink the size of government, we reform entitlements, we secure the border, you know, whatever my wish list is, and you say, but you'll lose the House after you do this, I'd say, freaking where do I sign? Right. Well, you may recall we, we you know, Republicans had that opportunity back in 2017. They had control of basically the House, the Senate, and the White House. And they had an opportunity to effectuate some of these changes. And, you know, uh, they, they did tax reform, which, which I thought was good, but they didn't really move ahead with anything else, right? And they had an opportunity to shrink the size of government. They had an opportunity to, 
to, to look carefully at what they were doing. And un- unfortunately, that wasn't what came out of it. And I think that's why voters now are so skeptical. They just sort of say a pox on both their houses because, you know, what's pretty clear is when each side, you know, has what they have, they try and do various things. Sometimes they get there. Sometimes they don't. But the, the reality is we are in this cycle of politics now where we are destined, I think, to swerve from one policy prescription or set of prescriptions to another. And those changes can be quite violent, not not in terms of like, you know, people people picking up pitchforks. I just mean the change going from one side to the other can be so dramatic and so violent because that's just what we that's the period of time we're in right now. And to me, that's not a great way to make policy. No, it's not. But I need to point out that, generally speaking, Republican policies, uh, a violent swing to the right, can be undone very quickly and easily by the left, whereas the left will institute uh, you know, programs and, and handouts and Obamacare is still that, here. Yeah, that, that, that are almost impossible to undo without incurring the rage of the voter. Lon He Chen of the Hoover Institution, Stanford University, is on the line. Um, oh, what the heck? It just flitted right out of my mind. I had something very important. Oh. Just long and short of it, is the United States just plunging toward becoming France with two oceans? That's what the Wall Street Journal has been saying all week. Well, it is the case that if you build a um, an entitlement state, if you build a sort of state of support that is large enough. I mean, you guys raise a good point, which is that, you know, folks get used to it and, and people's sort of vision of it changes fundamentally and things that were not acceptable before become acceptable. And particularly when you're talking about creating a broader and broader social safety net. I mean, I keep coming back to the concept of extended unemployment insurance during the pandemic or during the period of the pandemic. When the economy was down, you totally understood why it was important. We've seen the economy coming back very, very strong. Growth rates are very, very good right now. There are jobs being created. Things are coming back in most parts of the country. And we hear over and over again that what some of these programs have created, frankly, is a disincentive to return to work. And that is a good example of a situation where American society becomes closer and closer to the kind of society and state they have in Europe, in many parts of Europe, where there are, frankly, disincentives to work. And then culturally, you get a situation where, you know, like if you look at, at Europe, a lot of countries there, frankly, are less productive because you know, they take three hours off in the middle of the day and they take three months off in the summer. And, you know, some would say, hey, that, that sounds kind of nice. But it, th- that's not how you create a society where, uh, you know, you have productivity and growth and innovation. All the amazing things we've seen in America come because we have an industrious society that values work fundamentally. And I, I fear that we're moving away from that a little bit. And a question I was going to ask about uh, the whole Liz Cheney Trump thing, but I lost interest. Lost interest in my own head. <laughs> She's going to get booted out. Any chance uh, Trump injects himself into the midterms in such a way that, you know, what happened in Georgia happens? You turn off enough people that you lose something you should have won. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know what his plans are, what his role will be. Uh, I, I, I do know this, that the midterm elections are actually right around the corner, believe it or not. And it is extremely important for Republicans. I've always argued this. I think Republicans have to focus on putting forth a vision of what are the two or three things you're going to do if you take back the House. It is enough to sort of argue. It is not enough to argue, you know, hey, what the Democrats are doing is bad. They're expanding government. We don't like that. 
you know, as, as true as that argument might be, if you're unable to come forward with, hey, here are the things we're going to do to make things better, it, it's hard. I think people want an alternative vision to vote for. So, so yeah. I hope that that's what the focus is Well, you is can't, on you can't run on unspending $7 trillion, unfortunately. Once it's spent, it's spent. And if they say we're yeah. going to repeal and replace Obamacare, I'm moving to Paraguay or Uruguay. <laughs> I can never remember which one. Uh, Lanhee Chan of the Hoover Institution and Stanford University. Lanhee, thanks so much for the insight. Great to talk to you and have a great weekend. Thank you, guys. I just, thanks. I just don't feel like people are grasping what's happening here. You, you say, okay, yay, we won, we won the house. Woo, we're going to do this. No, things are changed forever. They're never coming back. Yeah. Yep. They'll never go back to the way they were. Seven tr- trillion dollars, once it's committed to being spent, will be spent. It'll be out the door. We'll have to reckon with that no matter what. Armstrong and Getty. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.